I know, we're just recording the podcast just on the, what's the, it's like the boxing day of the day that you could go out, it isn't is. it? We could go to Beer Gardens And we did. And we did. <laughs> and in order to reflect the mood of the nation, there was a guy in a beer garden in a full tux oh, today, wasn't there? I still get goosebumps when I think of him. Honestly, I, I feel a bit emotional. Guy. Yeah, he had a little um, Dickie Bourne, didn't he? He did. I tweeted about him earlier and it's kicked off a big discussion on Twitter about men and whether or not they still fit into their tuxes after mm. a year of lockdown. And then somebody was saying that he'd said to his wife, can we do like the next time we host a meal, can we do it black tie formal? And she was like, every meal, every single meal is going to be black tie. And then somebody else has said, as soon as things reopen, they've decided they're hiring like a function room and they're getting all of their friends and family and extended friends and family and everybody has to say if they've had an event that's been missed, like a birthday or a wedding anniversary, yep. and they're going to celebrate it all in one big party. They are aware it's over a year, so everybody's had something that's Everything, missed. yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, that is a good Isn't idea. Isn't it? Like, to that buffet. <laughs> <laughs> and there's been a lot of lockdown weddings where people have said we'll just defer the party to a later mm. date. So actually, oh, you're just getting all the best bits. Party central, isn't it? When we came back from the Easter break, which is when the tax year end happened, um, people were saying like Happy New Year. It was almost like a new year again, mm-hmm. not just a tax year because it's, it's spring and then lockdown being lifted was just around the corner, and it's like. Just feels like we've like born one again, aren't we? Yeah, like 2021's been reborn and it's so much better. <laughs> Second time round is so much better. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you said Happy New Year because I was thinking, you know, we talk about the beginning of a calendar year on the 1st of January and everybody's Happy New Year, what's your New Year's resolutions? Um, it's generally something to do with your emotions or your well-being, so I'll lose weight, I'll do more exercise. Learn a language. language. Learn a language. And I was thinking, the 6th of April, every single year, is the start of a new tax year. So why isn't that an event where we could be like, Happy New Tax Year, and it's where you make your financial resolutions. So then you don't have to worry about it on the 1st of January. It's always the skintest month, yeah. which is why I think people struggle to make big financial decisions in January. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, you know, still paying off the New Year's drink debt. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking, defer it for a few months. And in April, that's when you should be making your financial decisions ready for the whole year. Um, I love it for many, many reasons. Firstly, because you're I right. felt like there was a boat. Oh, no, there's not a boat. I just love oh, it. Well, oh, yeah, not a bit. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh. The enthusiasm levels will increase. <laughs> oh, it doesn't that. I wonder if it's something I need to do with my self-confidence. <laughs> I love it so I'll much. I'll wait until January. <laughs> Um, because you write about the lack of money in January also people and I do it you do too much like you try and absolutely look at every area of your life and do a resolution and everything and it's impossible to juggle all of those plates there's stats about 92% of New Year's resolutions are broken by the end of January it might not be 92% but there or thereabouts Um, it is in my house (laughs) almost guaranteed to fail I don't know anybody who sticks to New Year's resolutions for the whole year and actually there's something about just phasing them Mm -hmm. that makes sense and F when (laughs) what used to happen was people would leave all of the financial planning until the end of the tax year in the run-up to the 5th of April they would go nuts we'd have tax year end madness the last few years it feels like it's been a lot more settled and people have got better at planning throughout the year but because of Covid last year they didn't people deferred and deferred and deferred and then the last few weeks of the financial year 
have nearly broken us working it and <laughs> yeah. broken all of the finance industry everybody said I've never known a month like it and so this is um ye olden days I saw a little thread again on Twitter and people were talking about when you literally used to run around and it was all paper applications and you couldn't mm-hmm. just pop online and transfer your ISA and you just had this like panic and it was like what's the last day that you can post it and if you can't post it can you physically go and deliver it to Royal London or whoever's mm-hmm. taking your ISAs and then I saw people on Twitter talking about it and one was like, oh, there was once I had to fly up to Prudential in Scotland with a stack of ISA applications Jeez. on the 5th of April and then get it couriered from there to Stirling, which is where the Prudential offices were, like to get them in because they physically had to have them on the 5th and then it could all be added. And, and it's, it's almost carnage. like if the government said, right, OK, we're going to give you two weeks a year to get your ISA in. Um, let's just do it. It'll be like the Hunger Games of ISAs. You have to fight for it. We can and they can only process... days. Yeah, exactly. You can only process so many people, so you have to fight to the death yeah, to yeah. see who gets your ISA on. No, you get a full year. Yeah. You can do it whenever. Yeah. And whenever yet, like. nothing's been learned because that's exactly what happened again this year. And I think this year, though, it's, we can't blame... I keep saying we can't blame anyone for anything they've done on you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's so, just one of those. It's a weird yeah. one, isn't it? I'm not normally a spender, and you normally are. And then ever since you did your Amazon, um, yeah. I seem to have just started buying loads of things off Amazon. And I have and, not. And I've I been, broke like, that habit. I've got takeaways recently. It's like a new thing, and it's not me. It I is don't know who I am. Job. But to the extent where when I went to pay for my hair this morning, my card got declined. <gasps> <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> oh, no, you're fiscally embarrassed. <laughs> well, yeah. Fiscally Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Oh, what did no. you say? Did you say something like, oh, it must be my new one in the bank? <laughs> no, but I like that you've got the excuse ready oh, I've prepared. Got, I've got loads of them. I've got a stranger to a card <laughs> Funnily enough. Um, so just to take it back, for people who don't really know what we mean by tax year end or allowances or the financial year, do you want to explain it? Every, every year, every, every year. single year from the 6th of April to the following 5th of April, that is the financial year. It's generally called the tax year. If there's any changes generally in the government budget, they'll start then. Um, some of them start immediately just to be confusing, but most of them will start then. It's when any new allowances renew. And I think the thing to know with allowances is that some of them you can only use within that year. So your ISA allowance, for example, if you haven't used it by the end of that tax year, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them you can carry forward if you don't use them and we won't go into kind of all of the depths of them but I think that's where there becomes a lot of planning mm-hmm. around the tax year around that time in the run-up to April. I think an interesting thing about um, doing Michael's taxes for him was how much I hadn't even realised he doesn't understand his payslip. He looks literally bottom his line. name top left yeah bottom right bottom right Absolutely. how much is he brought home um, he wouldn't know how to check even like overtime or certainly his pension contributions, what the NI meant. He didn't know anything. And I, I do remember my first job being exactly the same thinking, oh, I earn such and such amount, you know, £12,000 a year. And thinking, great, I'll get £1,000 a month. Yeah. Um, and then going, oh, oh. well, I haven't. <laughs> <Who stole laughs> <my> money? <laughs> it's really weird, isn't it? And you just remember looking at that thinking, wow. But yeah, like literally, oh. and it is that, you just go... 
that salary divided by 12 equals mm-hmm. I've already spent it <laughs> they've already arrived that's gone no 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 all people and I'm in debt yeah. started working this? being in debt who's this PYE and this NI if you look at a typical person you've got your PYE which is your tax your NI which is tax by another name yes, <laughs> and then nobody's telling you otherwise exactly that they call it national insurance contributions which tax. is your contributions to the government which pays for things like you know your NHS and your pension and all of that but it's just a tax and instead of saying alright we're going to tax you an extra little bit we'll call it a different name call it a different name yeah, yeah. that's fine and then pension will come mm-hmm. off and then sometimes especially towards the end of like company holiday years there might just be adjustments for like holidays and things just random little bits used to come off yeah. and when I worked at Royal Mail and to be fair, like now we've got a company obviously nothing like the scale of Royal Mail. Payroll is a difficult thing for the company to run because mm-hmm. there's so many different things to be deducted, plus everyone's got their own personal allowance and you got paid weekly at Royal Mail mm-hmm. and probably every other week I'd be like, well, That's not right. Well, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. Like I just be well, just because I'd look at the bottom line and go, Well, no, I want more, like which bit of it can I argue about? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And um, also what I used to do after every tax year, so the 6th of April, I used to have a standard letter that I sent off on, like, say, the 8th of April every year to my local tax office, which I think I was with Newcastle at the time, which just said, can you check my um, tax contributions for the last year? And because I was just purely pay-EYE, they did. And because over the course of the year, they're deducting tax based on what they assume you're going to earn over the course of the year, but your earnings can fluctuate. Nine times out of ten, I got a tax rebate. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was 50 quid. You were talking recently yeah. about somebody getting like a £1,000 rebate. They're having to go, OK, we think over the year you'll earn this amount, so we'll take this amount, but it mightn't be right. And certainly if, you know, you've been off work or something and you haven't actually earned as much as... Especially every, um, like furlough and stuff this year. People's wages have been up and down on and off furlough. There will be a lot of discrepancies and it is absolutely worth speaking to your local tax office to just get them to double-check it. And it is your local one and they are absolutely not going to sit there and proactively contact everybody and go we think you've oh, yeah. taken too much off yeah so it's yeah. on you to do it and for the sake I used to just think for the sake of a 26 pence stamp <laughs> that you probably stole from work <laughs> when I used to do it I literally just had it as a template and I'll just print it off every year and post it in and like almost always got a rebate sent me a check in the post they actually did send me a check yeah they did didn't they I'm a checkbox. Um, actually, I changed my recently changed my energy from EDF to another energy company, and they sent me a message the other day because the accounts closed and said we owe you 130 pound. This will be sent by check and blah blah. Sorry, why on earth are you sending a check? Um, yeah, but you can't like. We have to yeah, but they've ask got... people's payment details yeah, to send so it back. Yeah, why wouldn't they just do that? Um, and then it'll be money laundering and GDPR and stuff. Mm. I don't know, John. I just don't want to check off them. I'll never get that. I'll never go to the bank. It'll just be folded up in my bag for ages. <laughs> I'm trying to fold it up and put it in my app. <laughs> just sticking it up the back of my phone cover. <laughs> £130 only line. Oh yeah. Didn't really have to do that. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't like nobody put like an extra thirty and thirty pence. Wait, wait you put ninety nine pence. Um, should we talk through a couple of the key allowances, taxes that are refreshed, mm-hmm. sometimes increased, um, but always refreshed? on the 6th of April each year and just explain it to people. Let's go. So income tax, two things to know about that on the 6th of April. 
There's an amount that you can earn before you pay the income tax, which is brilliant, £12,570. In this current year, you can earn £12,570 and you won't pay any tax at all. So your first £12,570, you pay 0% tax on it. So, you know, freebie, nice. Anything above that, up to £37,700 is 20% you pay on that. And above that, £250,000 is 40% you pay on that. If you earned £100,000, <laughs> which would be very nice. Um, if you don't pay 40% of £100,000, overall you'll have a general rate of 30% or something. Ish. Um, ish. Think about a new tax year. Right now, everybody's got a new ISA allowance that they can mm -hmm. use this year at £20,000. Brand spanking new. Is it worth just explaining that a little bit more to people? The thing with ISAs is that if you've got, for example, say you've had a windfall and you've got a lot of money in the bank, you're paying tax on the interest that you're going to receive in that bank. Um, but every year the government says you can have £20,000 of that in an ISA that you don't pay tax on. It can now still if, be in cash. Yeah, you don't have a to bank. put it in cash. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's just a little, it's like, um, Holly so described it as a jacket. It's like, you just put a little jacket on your money to keep it warm and stop the government from twitching it. And I really like that. And I was talking to somebody recently who said, oh, so if I'm getting a bit of interest from a bank, then what? And I said, that interest you get, they've already taken the tax off it. It's mm -hmm. gone. And he was like, oh. Like it's almost a stealth tax that people mm -hmm. aren't realising. And I said, so if you're with Barclays, for example, it's sat there physically in a Barclays bank account and right beside it will be a Barclays ISA and you can just pop it from there to there yeah. and you don't pay the tax and it is that that simple yeah. before you think, oh, it means investing and scary stuff and stuff I don't understand. Yeah. If you've got any cash in the bank, absolutely get it into an ISA exactly and just save that. the tax. Um, and it's just, it's a way of kind of offering an incentive for people to save. Yeah. Um, in the same way that they offer a lot of incentives for pension contributions, one of them being you can invest up to £40,000 in tax year um, or the maximum of how much you earn, um, whichever is lower. And if you make a personal contribution into a pension, they will give you tax relief on it, which means that, for example, if you're a 20% taxpayer, you will get 20% added to your pension contribution. If you're a 40% or 45% taxpayer, higher rate or additional rate taxpayer, they will also add that tax relief by giving you it back as part of your self-assessment. Actually, self-assessment's quite confusing, Cathy, isn't it? Do you want to explain it a bit? Not yet. Um, <laughs> so you've also now got a pension contribution allowance year that has restarted. The difference between ISAs and pensions in terms of allowances and tax years. Firstly, is that with your ISA, if you didn't use it last year, tough. See, yeah, it's gone. And um, pension, if you didn't use it last year, there's options for carrying it forward and using it this year. And again, like you said, they're both designed as incentives to get people to save. And ISA is a more short-term saving because you're more likely to need access to it. A pension is locked away. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if you're thinking that you might have some cash or you wanted to do some saving over the course of the coming tax year, it's just worth thinking about what it is that you're saving for. And if it's your retirement, it's very likely to be better going in as a pension. But if it's a big holiday in five years time or something in a couple of years or doing something to your house, more likely to be at ISA because you'll need access to it. If you don't know what you're saving for and you've got less than 20,000, I'd suggest just your ISA. It gives mm -hmm. you all the tax incentives, um, but gives you the flexibility to get access to it if you need it. Absolutely. With flexibility, I just think it's worth mentioning to people, if you've either got an ISA or you're setting one up, some of them are considered flexible ISAs, which means you've got 20,000 pound in a tax year. And if you put in say 5,000 pound, which would leave you 15 left, but actually you needed that 5,000 pounds, you could take it back out, and in the same tax year, you can actually put it back in. Um, and then actually we were asked recently, weren't we, somebody was saying, I'm gonna set up an ISA, 
Should I just set up a normal one or should I set up a LISA, which is a lifetime ISA? Again, it depends on really what you want that money for and when you are looking to access it and, um, you know, what it's used for. Like you say, anything short to medium term, you're better off in an ISA. Anything that you're planning to do for a longer time or, you know, over your lifetime. Oh, you know, clues in the name. Clues in the name. That's the way I always think it. It really does depend on what you need. And it's what we've said all along. It's why financial advice is so important because everybody's, it's not just about, I want to make more money. It's what do you want it for? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of factors involved and there's a lot of different options with it. Just to touch on the Lifetime ISA, I find them really odd. So they are, they're called the Lifetime ISA. So basically it's almost like in between an ISA and a pension. Mm -hmm. If you use it properly, I think it's 4,000 is the most that you can put in each year, but the government put a 25% bonus on, which is huge. Um, but only if you don't access it until you're 60, so not linked to any of the pension mm -hmm. ages, um, or the alternative is you can use it if you're buying your first home. And to me, yeah. it's like there's your spectrum of the things that you might do in your life. And there's one product designed to kind of match both of them, which is really odd. Yeah. I think licenses are typically being used more by people who um, who are buying house first coaching. home. Yeah, house um, short term, you can access it. So exactly yeah. like if you put £4,000 in, you get £1,000 mm -hmm. from the government. So if you need to save up. £20,000 deposit, actually now you only need to save up a £16,000 deposit, you'd probably keep it in cash because you know you're going to need it in the short term, mm -hmm. um, but in every other respect it works the same as an ISA. Another thing that changes often in the tax year and is a kind of a use it, lose it situation is your capital gains tax allowance. Yes. So for example, if you sell something, you should be paying capital gains on everything over £12,300, you have to pay a capital gains tax on that. So if you've got another property and you sell that, that's liable to capital gains. Any kind of investments that aren't wrapped in ICEs or pensions will be liable to these kind of and taxes. Actually anything like cars, if you happen to have fine wines and not drunk them all. <laughs> Don't really understand that myself. Yeah, there's, well, there's certain different allowances, isn't there? It's, I guess the way to think about it is that it's like making profit if you're a company you would pay mm -hmm. tax on your profits but yep. you're a personal it's like a personal yeah it is profit. and what people don't realize I guess is the only thing that well the major thing I think that you won't pay capital gains on outside of an ice and pension is your main residence yep. where you live and um, which is the big thing that you'd sell so Joe who needs to do a self-assessment well interestingly if you earn over 50 grand a year you have to do a self-assessment I didn't know that <laughs> I didn't know that if it was the odd year that you earned over 50 grand, you had to do a self-assessment. <laughs> Anytime you've got additional income that isn't through your work. Yeah, additional, uh, yeah, any adi anything. anything additional. So if you rent out a property. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you rent out a property, out. if you sell stuff on Etsy, you should be doing the self-assessment. The basics of the self-assessment. So with PAYE is pay as you earn. So when you get a wage slip through, it's got your PAYE on, it's taken off the tax. So anything that you earn, the government's got the tax, it's fine. Anything outside of that actual pay slip, they need to know about, and that's what the self-assessment is. It's your way of declaring anything else that you've earned to determine what tax needs paying. So like you're say, assessing yourself. We're assessing what taxes, yourself, yeah. yes. It's not that if you necessarily if you're over 50,000, that, that in itself isn't a problem. If all of your earnings, whatever level they are, just come through your employer, it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's all covered under pays you earn. But when you use different allowances, so anybody who's got children, child benefit comes into play and once you get to a certain level, that needs to be assessed. 
Like I say, if you're kind of getting income from side hustles, which we talked about previously, <laughs> if you've got a property, anything like that, then it all needs to pay in a self-assessment. Or if you, even if you've got a portfolio of investments, so if you've got an ISA, it's fine. Yeah, ISA income's tax-free, but if you've got a portfolio of investments or shares in a company and you get income from them in the form of dividends, all of that needs adding in because they all need taxing as well. So your self-assessment is for self-employed people because they're not underpay as you earn. Just literally anything and everybody that isn't a straightforward employed person with no other income whatsoever. And I think not enough people know that, therefore don't do self-assessments and therefore end up in trouble from the taxman. Which you absolutely don't want because they will fine you. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Joe. Hello, Kathleen. So we do love to have a good whinge about tax and... Everybody does that. It's a thing, isn't it? There's literally a Beatles song about it. Is there? I don't know the Beatles. I mean, I know the Beatles, but I don't know the Beatles songs. Um, tax Man, it's called. And it is just it? talks about how, yeah, it taxes all the different things. Sing it. No, God, no. God, no. For God's sake, no, of course not. Yeah, because I told you the story before, I'm pretty sure that they paid something like 90, 95 pence to the pound. Oh, you did, yes. So then when they found that out and they looked at their pay slip, they were like, mother of God. <laughs> so, <laughs> tax, man. <laughs> what we want to do is look at how much we pay. What we're going to do now is you're going to do the game again and I'm going to look stupid again. It's like the budget thing all over again. Fingers crossed. <laughs> right, Joe. Going to find out how much you know about income tax and or Yay. can guess. So, you know what income tax rates are in the UK? Yes. What do you think on average income tax is across the whole of the world? Well, it's going to be slightly higher isn't it? because some people pay more. Oh, and there's quite a big divide, isn't there, in some countries? I'm going to go with around 30%. 31%? Oh, oh that was close. It, well it done. Was. So, if we go through continents... You and continent. <laughs> <laughs> right. It will go through continents. Um, interesting, Mark. Is there not seven continents in the world? Yeah, but I don't think... That you pay much in Antarctica. Antarctica. <laughs> Fair. So I, I can't believe that this is a long quiz. So, if we look at the continents, not including Antarctica, UK, average income tax rate, 31%. Right. Let's look at continents in general. Right. And which you would rank from lowest to highest as the average. So, we'll do a higher or lower game. Mm -hmm. So, UK is 31%. Africa... Higher or lower on average than 31? Oh, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because it's so many countries in Africa. That's what I'm going to I mean. I'm going to say this about all continents. They do. Um, Africa, I'm going to go with lower. It's higher, but oh. you know what? By 0.7%. Oh, <laughs> tricky. So 31.7. So higher or lower than Africa, Asia? Higher. Lower. Oh, why did I think higher? I don't know. I was thinking of, I guess. Kind of the devise wealth. and the barren. I think there's a big division of wealth, isn't there? There, mm. but also there's some very, very poor countries as well. I think 28.6. So, high. So, UK is part of Europe. Nice <laughs> on average in Europe. Do you think the Europe average is higher than the UK? Or I lower? do. I just think there's less poverty stricken countries where the tax is going to be a lot lower in Europe than there is in some of the Africas and Asias. Well, it's a smidge higher, it's 31.3 percent oh, wow. in Europe. Higher or lower, South America. Do you know what? There's just so much drug money in <laughs> South America. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess they don't they pay don't tax pay as much on the tax. drug money. Yeah, but it's all gonna be laundered, Kathy. It's all got to be laundered somewhere. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go lower, higher, thirty-two point three. 
Okay, they're all very similar. North America, on average. Um, so North America is a funny one because that's all self-assessment, isn't it? They have to assess oh, themselves. Yeah, they the do talk a lot about like, don't they? Like on friends and stuff. Always saying they have to do my taxes. Yeah, yeah. good point. Um, but I do think that they pay quite a lot of tax. Higher. Yep. Thirty-five percent. And imagine if they all had to do it legitimately. <laughs> How much they'd actually pay in tax? So yeah, North yeah. America, thirty-five percent. Australasia, or you know that part of the world, whatever you may want to call it. Hmm. I feel like it's very like first world, isn't it? Um, I'm going to go higher. Um, lower than North America, but higher than the yeah, UK. So in summary, the UK at thirty-one percent on average. The only one that's lower than it is the continent of Asia. Oh, which is interesting. Europe on average is higher. We shouldn't feel as bad about our taxes then, should we? Yeah, Yeah, it's not actually that bad in comparison. Exactly that. And we've got, in comparison to, say, America, where Mm -hmm. you've got higher taxes plus no NHS. Pay your own health care. Yeah, pay for all your health care. But their petrol's a lot cheaper. Um, You drive farther to get to a cheaper hospital. (laughs) So there's that. Balances out. Do you know what the UK's top tax rate is? What do you mean? The very top? Yeah. Or like, oh, the one that most people pay? Like, the favourite? The highest. What's the highest rate of tax, income tax? Well, it's theoretically 45%. However, there's like a weird kind of yeah. thing where you can end up paying a bit more. But yeah, 45%, 45% over £150,000. Tick! The UK's top rate of tax is 45%. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Ireland? Do you think it's higher or lower? I believe it is lower, so it is. <laughs> well, I believe you're offensive, so you are. <laughs> so Ireland also has a 20 and 40% income tax rate. But after the financial crisis, they brought in an emergency charge. Um, which is 8% for those earning over 70,000 euros, making effectively the top rate of tax, 48%. Wow. Um, and actually, I read about this recently. So, you know, Starlings, we opened the Starling Bank account for a We Are Change mm-hmm. initiative. Anne Borden, who started Starling, she'd gone over to Ireland to work at one of their banks, I think it was Allied, right after the crash. And do you remember it? Ireland and Iceland were absolutely yeah. just destroyed by it? And then they racked up billions of debt to kind of prop up the economy. Mm. And the only way to then kind of get back on their feet was it's through this tax. tax. People. Yeah. Um, so it's still ongoing. So, Norway, would you say that they're. So we've gone 48% now for um, top rate of tax in Ireland, higher or lower? I feel it's very high. And I don't know if it's the income tax or if it's other. But I know that if you go for a pint in Norway, it's extremely expensive. Um, it's actually their top income tax rate is 33%. Oh, wow. Like lower than all of us. But I think that's because you're thinking beer tax. And maybe that's like because we're Beated. British. Yeah, we just think like, oh, well, how, exactly. how expensive is it to get drunk? It's an expensive country. It is, but then they pay less tax, so they've got more disposable income. True. So if you're going to be like Richard Branson or mm-hmm. some kind Caribbean of Caribbean island... Um, and you think of them as a bit of a tax haven. So the Caribbean island of Aruba, ooh, what do you think about that as a... Um... Is it quite a low tax rate then? Well, that's the thing. So you think Norway's high and it's 33. Mm. think Caribbean islands are havens. Actually, their top rate of tax is 54% income tax. Wow. I know. Um, although apparently the little buggers have recently introduced a sin tax, raising taxes on alcohol. So 59%. What's the context? <laughs> Oh. What was the syntax for, though? Just alcohol and things like what? that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is it a bit like the sugar tax that they just randomly brought in here? Yeah. Where you have to pay more for Coca-Cola? Yeah. What's your thoughts on Germany and tax? <laughs> you know? Well, they're very efficient. If I recall, the European average wasn't much higher than ours, so I think it'd be similar to ours. So around the, like 30 to 32%. Well, the top rate, yeah, similar to ours is 45% mm. as their top. Um, but they also have a solidarity surcharge. So you pay an it's extra five and a half percent, because you know East and West Germany were unified. Oh, right. Pay an extra five and a half percent to get that wall down. I'd have done it for cheaper. 
lockdown. It's a big dirty sledgehammer. Yeah. Pickaxe. Oh, I'd love to wield a pickaxe. Um, why are they still paying that? Them. What for? Nobody's. Bloody... Ever since 1991 as well. It's 20 well, yeah, years worth of. I feel like it's kind of gone yeah, under the radar. Yeah, but it's the same as like national insurance. As it's an extra tax, isn't it? Once it's there, they're never going to take it away. Yeah, Once you get used to paying it, the yeah, government aren't going to go. Here you go. So, who do you think has the highest income tax in the world? Um, so we've already gone as far as 54% tax with Aruba. Um, what about Singapore? No. Japan? Yes. Great. Just out Singapore. <laughs> um, um, and in Europe, Sweden? Denmark and Finland. They're coming in around 56%. That's so small too. Also in Finland, the churches can just take money directly from their paychecks. Churches in Finland are able to directly tax Finns. Oh, which one Ooh. does which one do the penguins live on? The Arctic. Don't point down because I don't do geography. <laughs> is Antarctic at the bottom? So is that where the polar bears live? Uh, the penguins. <laughs> polar bears live at the top. Arctic. They don't pay tax either, do they? <laughs> well, that's another That Mint podcast episode. Thank you very much to the guys at Second Draft. To my co-host Kathy Harrison, and um, to all the guys in marketing for all the great work that we do online, please rate, review, subscribe. You can contact us at That Mint Podcast on Twitter or send us an email, hello at thatmintpodcast.co.uk. Thank you very much. Bye.